Good morning. We wanted to do this uh, video to show you the turning points in people's lives as they interacted with this Jesus, this Christ in this Easter season. That it was a turning point in history, it's a turning point in their lives, and I believe it can be a turning point in our own lives. This Easter, we deal with the death and the resurrection of Christ and what all that means. And so I want to kind of spend just a few moments narrowing, being really focused in on what this is. The cross is this. The cross is total sacrifice. That's what it is. That's what Friday is all about. That all of our sins, that all of humanity's sins, past, present, and future, are paid for at the cross. That the cross changes the very sin and human nature of the cosmos, of everything, of all time. The cross is total sacrifice. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I just get stuck on Friday. I'm there, and I love Friday. Friday is awesome. When Jesus pays the price for my sin, for your sin, for the sin I will commit tomorrow. But then Sunday, Sunday is the empty tomb. And the empty tomb is total victory. And I I can't express this well enough that the empty tomb is total victory. And what do I mean by that? That means that death is defeated. There's a truth in life that we all will die, that this body will shut down at some point and we will be buried in some fashion and we will die. So what do I mean? How do we have victory over death? How does Jesus have victory over death? Jesus died on Friday and he rose again on Sunday to provide for us a way of eternal life in heaven with him. What does that mean for us? That means no more pain, no more anxiety, no more depression, no more hurt feelings, no more bosses. Amen. Eternal life in heaven with God Almighty. The empty tomb shows us that it is possible. It provides the way. Friday is about sacrifice, and Sunday is about victory. Christianity operates under a a few foundational principles. This whole idea, all of Easter, operates because of a few truths that have been throughout history. The first is God loves us and cares for us. That he's crazy about his creation, humanity. That even as goofy and weird as some of us, me included, are, he loves us. Some of us find that hard to believe because of the life that we've lived. Some of us find it hard to believe because we know ourselves. But he created us and he loves us. The second thing is he loves us so much that he gives us free will to choose to love him back. He loves us so much that he said, you know what? To love them more, I'll make them be able to make choices instead of little robots. The third thing is where we have choice, 
there is opportunity for us to choose things apart from God. And this is called sin. That's the churchy word for it. What sin really means is to miss the mark. And if you're thinking to yourself, oh, here comes the guilt trip. Wait for a second. We all miss the mark. We all fail. We all mess up. We all have issues. I got issues. Just ask my wife. We have things. We have choices that we, maybe habits that we fall into that start messes in our lives, that bring us back to messes in our lives. And this sin means just to to miss the mark. It means that we are, this is what the goal that God had for us. This is the relationship that God has for us. And because of our free will and because we make silly choices sometimes, we just err, we just miss those things. But because God is so perfect, because God is so good, because God is who God is, he can't be with nastiness. You can't make God dirty. So there's got to be some sort of bridge between the two. There's got to be some sort of reconciliation. And for thousands of years, this form of reconciliation was brought to the Hebrews in the form of sacrifices. And so if you did this and if you did that, you would sacrifice a ram or a sheep or some grain or some, something other. So for thousands of years, there was this, there's this thing where I would bring a sacrificial lamb and say, all right, well, I got caught in adultery and now I got to place that sin on the sheep and the sheep will will pay the price for my sin to for me to be reconciled with God. Does this make sense? This is the old Hebrew law. This is what the the Old Testament, the Torah, the Exodus Leviticus, some of these if you read them and you fall asleep at night to the Bible, this is what you're reading. This is all this if you did this, do this. Jesus comes and says, "Listen, it's not like sin doesn't happen anymore." He says, "I'm tired of you guys killing all these animals." I'm tired of this relationship being a rinse-repeat. Oh, I messed up again. Let's go get another animal. Let's go get a dove. Let's go get some grain. Let's go get whatever it is. Let's do something better. And so Jesus comes to pay the price for all of humanity's sin, for past, present, and future sin, for all of our sin that we will commit and have committed. For all the times that we've missed the mark, Jesus comes to pay that price. Christ. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. It is part of who we are. We mess up. We will miss the mark. Jesus restores this relationship. His death and resurrection is about fixing these mistakes calling us back to his heart so that we can have relationship with him again. Some things about God that are absolutely beautiful to me as I think about him, as I ponder about him, is that God knows our mess and he still loves us. Right? Think about that. If your best friend knew you all the way, knew all your messes, knew all your junk, would they even still love you? Hopefully you have some friends that would. But God loves, it, loves you in spite of those. God knows your secrets, and he still loves you. 
God knows your problems and your issues, and he still chases after you. He still wants you. God still loves you. You can't be cynical enough that he's going to be like, oh, I don't love him anymore. You can't be messy enough that he's like, oh, man, they really need to take a shower before they come to me. You can't have too much facial hair. You're not too far gone. You are not too anything. He loves you because you are his creation. He loves you because you are his child. The question is asked by Nicodemus, the, one of the characters in our video. The conversation that that character talked about is found in John 3, which gives us the most famous passage in probably all of Scripture. You know, Tim Tebow put it on his eyes. Everybody, people holding placards up. John, what is John 3, 16? I don't understand. If that's the question, you watch a football game, you like don't know why these numbers are up there, I'm going to let you know right now. Okay, I know the answer will be, you could have Googled that at any time and found it, but we're going to help you out today. In that moment, in John 3, Nicodemus is asking, he's, he's struggling with this question. There seems to be something wrong with our sacrificial system. There seems to be something going on here. These debts that I have to pay, these, these ways in which I miss my mark, something is just not right. And he's talking to Jesus about it, and Jesus says, all right, you're asking some good questions. You ask, how do you get saved? Because the sacri- Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He knows the law backwards and forwards. He knows it better than anyone else. And he's saying, this just isn't quite enough. What is wrong here? And his answer to it, and Jesus' answer to this question is this. And it's the same answer to your questions of, isn't there more to life? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does, does evil hates the light and will not come to the light for fear of their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives in truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done on the side of God. The answer to the question of what must I do to be saved is believe in Jesus, that he paid for our sin, that he reconciles the relationship, and that he offers us eternal life. It's kind of like we have this outstanding debt. See, for Pharisees, the idea, culture always told them, you have to work harder, you have to do these religious steps, you have to sacrifice more things, you have to do these things to get right with God. I think for us to have a right life, American culture says, you have to work harder, you have to go to a better school, you have to put in more hours, you have to do these things. And Jesus says, no, 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 you have to believe in me. 
This is what it says when the Bible says, when, when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He is saying, listen, all the ways in which we try to work really hard to make it in the world, to, to be better people and to, to do better things. We put yokes on us. We put heavy burdens on our shoulders. And Jesus is saying, listen, 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 listen. You have to believe in me and I take care of that. I pay that debt. The bill is paid. What would it be like if you went home and had a letter that said your mortgage is paid for, your student loans are all paid for, you don't have to worry about it anymore. There would be some happy dances in the kitchens around this community, would there not? Look over the Scarcellis of the kids in college. They're going, yeah. <laughs> Imagine, listen, folks, when we talk about Jesus paying the debt, Paying the debt for us, it's greater than any mortgage payment. It's greater than any student loan debt. It is freedom. The bill was paid and the debt is canceled and life can now really start. Just like when you think, when you get out of debt in your own personal life, you're like, life can really start now. I can actually have some freedom now. When we are out from under the debt of our sin, life can really start. Start. Some of you feel like, I don't feel like life has started. I, I feel squished under all this junk in my life, under this, this, just this stuff. And maybe you don't even have a name for it, but there's probably a name called lust or greed or pornography or addiction. That's probably the actual name if you don't want to deal with it for gossip or slander. Those are probably the names on it that you just, you feel icky. That's all you know. That's your scientific name for it is ugh. And what Jesus does is he pays for the ugh and sets us free. So our lives can really start in this world and that there's a life for us to start in the next. The cross is total sacrifice, total redemption. And the empty tomb is total victory. Today, as we think about Easter, as we think about how it was all for me, I love those scenes in that, in that video where there's this realization for Barabbas to go, it was all for me. I was writing that part in my office, and I started bawling like a little baby right there. I was, I was there. Vaughn remembers. She's like, what is going on? I read it for her. She started bawling like a baby. To think about it, that it was all for me, that it was all for all these individuals. This huge story, this cosmic story going on, and this personal realization that it was all for me. It was all for you, and it was all for me. Today, maybe you need to have that realization. You need to step into what that looks like for you. It's very simple, it's very easy. We don't have to go around finding lambs and doves and grain to sacrifice for this reconciliation to be restored in Christ, to have the assurance of eternal life. It's very simple. You pray this prayer with me. Everyone close their eyes and put their heads down. If you want to pray this prayer with me, if you want to accept this assurance, if you want to accept this reconciliation today, just raise your hand wherever you're at. But the prayer just goes like this. Join in with me. God, I ask you to make me right with you. 
I'm tired of missing the mark. I'm tired of living in the mess. I'm tired of being in the junk. God, I want to commit my life to being new in you. Right here, Lord, from this day forward, I want to be your child. I want to be your new creation. To know that when the end of my life comes, I will have a new one with you. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. We're going to take communion this morning. And as we take communion, I want us to think about the way in which Jesus' body and blood was just poured out for us. That in that moment, that in that cross moment, he was redeeming us. So maybe we haven't really thought about that for a while. Maybe we haven't really delved into all of that for a while. But at this moment, we take communion really privately here. And if you're a believer, maybe today now you are a believer in Christ and this could be your first communion ever. This would be amazing. But if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you prayed that prayer with me or have before in the past, you are more than welcome to take communion with us. And as we take communion, as we hold the elements, this grape juice and this cracker, that we would just think, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, for what you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming me. Thank you, Lord, for getting me out of this mess. As the band comes forward, they're going to be playing a song in this. And any time throughout that song, whenever you're done meditating on this truth that Jesus redeems us, you just go ahead and take those elements yourself. I, I won't prompt that anymore. That's, that's up for you on your, in your time throughout this song. But as we take it, let's just ask for his presence to be made real for us. That we don't want to take this for granted. And we don't want to take this moment for granted. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. and Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to come into your presence. Lord, I, t- I thank you for this opportunity, for this reminder, for this day. God, that so often I, I operate that I have been defeated, that we have been defeated. But today stands as a landmark that we are victorious, that you are victorious that we are a victorious people and that you love us and care for us and that there is nothing that you won't do to have relationship with us. There is no wall that can stand in the way between me and you. That you are crazy in love with us. And God, as I marvel at your creation, I marvel at your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.